Hi, I'm Helen McCabe, founder of Future Women, a club helping women to connect, learn and lead. Over my career, I've run teams inside newspapers, edited a magazine and launched my own business. This has meant building a team from scratch, leading through difficult times and managing the odd crisis. I've never had any leadership training because I thought you were either good at leading or you weren't. I thought being decisive was a key metric for success. I was wrong and it led me to make simple but avoidable mistakes. In this series, I'm doing what I should have done years ago, reaching out to people who I admire, who have also successfully run teams across all types of industries. So I can ask their advice on some of the common leadership challenges. As almost everyone who is over 50 will tell you, it is a shock. You rarely feel middle-aged, and yet before you know it, you are. So I'm pleased to say that this episode is for anyone who is grappling with ageism. And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, now is precisely the time to prepare for it. Yes, don't wait for ageism to knock you around. Start thinking about what life looks like when you're middle-aged today. My guest is Nadine Gole who earlier this year became the number one senior women's amateur golfer in the world. Nadine, congratulations on becoming the world number one senior women's amateur golfer just recently. Like, that was just earlier in the year. How did it feel? Well, Helen, I think firstly, it's really hard to put into words. You know, it's like, how does that feel? And I recall saying to my husband at the time is, did that just happen? But then I look back and I go, well, I guess when you do something you love um, and you aspire to things, you sort of think, well, that was pretty cool because things just don't happen, do they, generally? So there was um, quite a bit of excitement at the time when it was announced. So I'm guessing a lot of work went into that. There's always work. And I think that when people succeed at something, they probably don't see the work that goes into it. But yes, I'd be silly to say to you that there are numerous hours that go into it and have even in my formative years. So was it literally what you set out to do or did you sense that you were getting closer to it and therefore it was achievable and then you went after it? Well, let me give you a little bit of background information. So last September, or the end of August last year, I started playing seniors golf. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't go in prepared. So I played a few events. I won a couple and got towards the end of the year. And I wasn't playing that great because I was playing with people who were, had been doing this for many, many years. So I turned into the, you know, the beginning of the year and I said to myself and I said to Sam, 2023, if I'm going to do this properly, let's, let's start looking at some ways that I can be better. So I sat down with my coach um, and then I sort of strategized where I'd like to be. But, you know, I just went out and played golf the best way I could. And did I know or didn't I know? Look, it was there in the back of my mind, but it wasn't my focus. My focus is always to give and do the best I possibly can. And if it's the best on the day and it's not good enough, well, that's just how it is. So I didn't really know it was going to happen, but in the back of my mind, there was sensing of it may happen. I might become the world number one senior amateur woman golfer. So as my coach says, you know what? It's pretty cool at your age. And he doesn't define me by my age. He just thinks it's cool and I'm doing it now. Yeah. And that's, you know, why I'm so excited to talk to you today, because I think it is super inspiring to find that kind of purpose and that kind of drive at any stage of career, particularly 
when right now I'm feeling a bit tired. So the idea of taking on <laughs> taking on that sort of challenge. Tell Let me, me pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> tell me a bit about your sporting career prior. What what did you do? Were you a sports person? I was a sports person, and so let's talk, let's talk golf because I did play a lot of other sports. But I represented Victoria from the age of fifteen, and then I, and from the age of eighteen Australia. So I went on and, and went through the the ranks. And then I moved into professional golf and I played that through the 90s up until the end of 97 on both the European and Japanese tours and fortunate enough to win the Danish Open in 1996. And then I retired at the end of 1997 to have Ben and Sophie who are now 25 and 22. So I, st- I stopped playing golf then. And you started businesses? Yeah, a couple of businesses. I've, um, you know, dabbled in some real estate. I taught golf for a numerous amount of years after I retired from playing golf. And, um, you know, we have a business in Bay Street, Brighton, called Brighton Chocolate. So that's our most recent venture. I want to talk a bit today about ageism because I work with 700 women at the moment in the Future Women Jobs Academy who are all over the age of 40 and they all have different experiences of ageism. But I've also worked in media for 30-odd years and believe that in Australia, ageism is pretty much alive and well. What are your observations about it? Have you well, firstly, 40 is young. <laughs> I'm nearly 55. It's an interesting topic. And I would almost agree with you that ageism does exist in Australia. And, and if I can refer or relate it to golf in particular, overseas, and I'm about to head to the States in a, a month or so, and I've just come back from the UK, they love us senior golfers. They look at us and go, wow. I mean, and we've got to obviously stop using the word age, but It's amazing what you can do for your age. We are elite at what we do. And um, I love that they're so passionate about what we do and they come out and watch. And these are men typically that are saying this and watching us. So when we get back to Australia, there's probably not really the enthusiasm behind it so much, if that's the best way to put it. When you say there's not really the enthusiasm, what does it look like when you, you know, you're a named the, the world number one. What happens in Australia when that happens? Do you get much attention at all? Oh, I've got an article on the Golf Australia website. There was a fabulous article written actually in a, a magazine called Inside Golf. And Michael Court, who'd known me for over 30 years in Sydney, we, he, he called me a couple of months ago. And, and so it's sort of old news, but I'm still holding on to that ranking. So there was nothing really done. And look, it's in my real world, I would have loved for there to be something like, you know, Nadine, you know, I know you've been invited to a couple of events in, um, in America, maybe just an airfare or something like that. But I mean, I don't want to talk sour grapes about it, but there's nothing really for someone of my age and whether we say my ability or what I've achieved at this age to move forward with. And if you complained about it, what do you think would happen? I have to say she's whinging. Yeah. So it's best just to get on and do what you do well. And um, what I really know is that I've met some fabulous people in the last sort of, you know, 11 or 12 months. They have the same sort of situation, but, you know, nothing can be done about it. So we just go out and enjoy our golf. Nadine, but I've grown up in media where women's sport generally was regarded as, you know, not that interesting. People won't watch it. And we, as we sit here today, the Matildas are setting the country alight with extraordinary ratings, Sam Kerr's a household name, the same with our cricketers and our AFLW players. Did you ever think in your career that you would see women's sport 
actually appreciated? Oh, look, I probably never looked at it from that perspective. I, I knew it would happen at some stage. It has to. I just think it's fabulous, any of the women that they go out and do, because they, they don't have equal pay. They put in as much effort. And they're as good as any. I mean, if they're the best at what they do, in what they do, well, then they're the best, aren't they? Regardless of their gender. So they are actually the best at what they do. And it should be given equal ratings or followings or sponsorship. It's just as simple as that. So where I'm going with this is that you're just a bit ahead of your time. In, in you are going to be in your 80s and watching the number one world senior women's amateur golfer become a household name. That's what I predict is going to happen. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm up for it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, history has shown artists, for example, authors. It is a process, but we kind of get there eventually. Let's talk a bit about being the best at what you do. What sort of preparation is required by you to have the mental strength to achieve number one status? I think firstly, I'm a very self-driven, highly motivated person in whatever I do. And in everything I do, I just give it everything I think preparation, this is where people really don't get an understanding of what goes on. And, and I still have a business to run. So it is not my everything. It is something I do part-time. First thing in the morning, I'm an iceberger with Mentone Icebergers. And it's 6.45 and that's how I start my day. So I get down there. We age probably 40 to 80 years of age. I love it. The colder it is, the better it is for me. I then rush home, run up the hill, have some breakfast and go off to work. I try to leave some hours either at the beginning of the day or the end of the day to put into my golf now. And this is only a new thing, so the last 12 months. You know, I stretch. I'm very conscious of what I eat. Everything's in moderation for me. I like wine, but I don't have too much of it. But I enjoy it. Uh, I do exercise, I practice, and I do, you know, technical, mental, all sorts of preparation goes into what I do. What sort of mental preparation? Because this is one of the keys to success in life is how you approach mental challenges. For more than 35 years, even longer, I've always appreciated the psychology or the mind that goes into someone that is out to achieve. And I think the very best people, it's their mental application, it's their mindset. But I think as I've got a little bit older and of course obviously brought my children up, it's learning the acceptance of something, to be kind to myself to have gratitude. And I'm very grateful at my age that I'm able to do what I do. You know, like even, I'll, I'll be very honest, like three days ago, I'm going to the last round of the Queensland Senior State Amateur and I'm in a real mess. Like I am at such a low point with my confidence and my game. So I've picked myself up and I start to listen to a couple of podcasts. And I'm happy to go to that place and try and be better because I can accept that things are not great. And then just dwell on that. But, well, well let's, let's look at what, how I can be better at this. How can I overcome this instead of dwelling on the negative? So uh, I worked with a sports psychologist a lot in my mid-20s and I got to a point where I was about to give up. When I started to do that, my game completely came around. And it was my mental game, my mental approach. And my philosophy in life is, and I say to my children, self-belief because no one else will believe in you. And secondly, work ethic. And they're the two things that I work by every day. I have purpose every day. What sort of podcast do you listen to? Look, I might listen to um, 
Bob Bratella, might listen to um, a couple of players like Pedro Harrington or um, there's a couple of other guys that interview, like Mark Immelman, and they then interview other people. And I just like the other perspectives on things. And I'll take it, something away. It might be, you know, what would it be like if tomorrow was your last game of golf ever? How would you play that? How would you like that to be? Because we always talk about, oh, when I'm this age or when I do this. I'm very much in the present right now. So that's how I live my life is for now, not for later on or what I could have done because it's all gone. And that's that whole word I call acceptance now. What advice do you have for any young woman who's listening to this podcast, so 20 to 30, who can't imagine being 54, maybe not interested in sport, but can't really imagine what it feels like to be our age right now. Because I, I don't know about you, but I'm always thinking about things I wish I'd done differently in those years. What would you have done differently? Look, it's really interesting. And I often say to Sam, my husband, you know what, if I'd met so-and-so, my career would have been completely different. And I may not have been in golf, you know, and, and you and I have a connection between someone and this gentleman, I tell you what, if, and he said, had he met me and I met him 30 years ago, I think that I would have been probably out in the corporate world. I don't dwell on the past. I think there would have been things that I maybe have stayed at golf longer. In the 90s, there was not a lot of money around for women golfers to play in Japan and, and Europe. And, you know, I got fed up with it. And so I guess I, maybe if I'd stayed out there a bit longer, I would have achieved a bit, a bit more. But I wouldn't stop. I guess one of the things I say to people, I would never have um, given up my 20s to do what I did. And I've had my children and, you know, now the last couple of years, they're far more independent. So I wouldn't change anything, Helen. I just think it is what it is and um, I'm here now having another go. And this is what people say to me, my God, you're putting yourself out there. Well, you know, it's, I'm doing something I love. Yeah, I often um, talk about Ida Buttrose because she edited Women's Weekly, which is probably the only thing that Ida and I really have in common. But she's now 80. And she's the chair of the ABC. And, you know, no one talks about her age. They just talk about her as being one of the most formidable women this country's ever seen. So I am I'm a bit interested in how some people get defined by their age and some people are completely ageless and continue to, you know, strive and achieve and, and, and move past the obstacles that, you know, an ageing body can can throw up at times. I think the hardest thing, and then I see it with news readers, and, you know, they often say that a male keeps their job longer than a female and they've, you know, because they're ageing. I don't know about you, but I don't really feel much older than 30 or 35, and I don't even know how you're meant to feel at that age. I'm not sure how I'm meant to feel at this age. So I get up, I get up and do my stuff, and, you know, if someone looks at me and thinks I'm older, well, you know, bad luck to them. But it is, I think, more so in... Um, you know, women trying to hold on to their careers or work going to a new workplace, it, it's obviously a little bit more challenging. It, it shouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, and I will definitely agree with you. I think um, everyone has the age that they're stuck at. Um, is it 30? Is it 35? Is it 25? But um, to anyone listening, you will get to 55 and be stuck at another age and you <laughs> will get a shock when you walk past the 
the mirror some days and go, <laughs> oh, is that, is that what But you know, I'm going to tell you a really funny story. This gentleman who did this article recently and he'd seen some photos. He said, oh, you haven't changed. I'm like, what do you mean? I've got wrinkles and grey hair and, you know, whatever. But, you know, I've got a few blonde tips. He goes, you actually haven't changed, Nadine. I said, well, for me, how am I meant to change? I'm not sure I'm meant to be any different. So... <laughs> Yeah, and I think I, I and I, I, you know, this is not a podcast of wellness, no. but I do think you know the cold water and the. I did listen to a whole the whole podcast recently on aging, actually, and it was like an hour long. It was highly scientific, and the at the end of it, it said, "Eat well, get some sleep, don't drink too much alcohol." That was pretty much it, and I'm like, I didn't didn't need to listen to an hour of highly scientific um, explanation to kind of tell me uh, what we all know. And then you can live a very fit, very mentally active, very long life if you just follow some basic rules. So that's the message we're leaving everyone with this in this podcast is eat well in your 20s and your 30s and stay fit. Yeah, and look, I think enjoy yourself. It's okay to have wine. I mean, it's okay to, you know, eat some chips every now and then. But, you know, the thing is just enjoy what you do. Mm -hmm. Embrace the day and um, I think what we're really tapping into here, Helen, is a mindset. Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm all for some wine too, just in case <laughs> anyone's wondering. What sort of leader are you? How do you, how do you see yourself as a, a leader in, uh, in the sporting field? I think for me, and probably because I went into a coaching background, I find myself highly motivating to people. And I worked with a team of girls um, a couple of years ago and you know, there's a bit of a nickname. I was the old girl, only because I was double their age or probably 40 years older than some of them now. I would have walked <laughs> away if I'd been known as the old girl. And it made me laugh because I thought, hmm, I'm not going to take any offence to that because you know what? I reckon I'm the young girl, not the old girl. I've got more experience there than you them. Go. Mindset. Mindset. So I think what I do with is I always lead by example. One of my sayings to them every time we play golf was, Enjoy it because the more you enjoy it, the better you'll play. And the better you play, the more you enjoy it. So I always wanted them to be in a good mindset of just, yes, it's nice to win, but enjoy the moment that you're in rather than feeling pressured by it. I like to be an open communicator. You know, I'm always up for a conversation and, and that's why someone said to me, oh, you'd be great at podcasts. You just keep talking. Sorry about that. And I like to be inclusive because I know what it's like to be excluded, so I'm always happy for people to come and have a chat to me on any topic. So I think, you know, really the leadership is being motivated to always have a go and feel that you can come and talk, because I think, you know, no one's better than anyone else, so as long as you can have an open conversation, I think, you know, you're going to have a great environment to be working around. Why have you felt excluded? Look, I guess when I first finished with golf, it was a very male-dominated um, environment and, you know, it was very difficult to find work in the golf industry for myself. You know, it's a lot of people would say, oh, just because you play golf doesn't mean you can teach golf. Yeah, it's, it's just how I was, you know, treated. So you were a great golfer who retired and no one would employ you. Yeah, it was basically that. You just have to go to a driving range and try and drum up your own lessons. But I actually wanted to be involved in a team of people at a golf club. You know, like I'm at Victoria Golf Club and, you know, you could have a team of people working together. There were a couple of golf clubs like that and there were just not many opportunities for that. 
And as I said, I'm now 55. That's something I needed to do 25 years ago. <laughs> how did you get? How did you get around that problem then? I just jumped around places and, uh, you know, tried to find where people would like me to teach. It was difficult. I would, if I were to say it was easy, it wasn't easy. Yeah. A startling reminder of how far we've come in terms of women's sport. Absolutely. Yeah. And, so you, I, and I love when I see that women have been able to take on roles as commentators or have got great roles in coaching or whatever. I just think it's fantastic. And they're in that that era in the generation that, that has advanced, and it's fantastic. You bought and sold a business, though, so you eventually took control again of mm-hmm. your own destiny. Well, Helen, if you don't have a go, you'll never know, will you? So um, it's always a very, you know, I think you get to it. I got to about 47, 48, and I was at the crossroads of what I was going to do. I wanted to get away from golf. I didn't want to teach golf anymore. I went off and got my real estate license. Did a bit of, you know, 12 months there in the corporate sector, which didn't sort of quite work out as I thought it would. Um, I still do a bit of vendor advocate work. I was walking along one day uh, in Bay Street and I said to my husband, who's from from the area, what about we purchase a business? And it's been there for 35 years. It's, It's really on its last legs. Let's pick it up. And he looked at it and he said, yeah, that's fine. And he obviously has another job, but um, it then brought our family into it. And um, yes, I do eat chocolate every day, so it's Brighton Chocolates. And he, we did some research on it. It's a, one of the most consumed commodities in the world. So that's what we've been doing sort of the last six or seven years. It does seem a bit incongruous to me that this, can I, everyone listening to this, a very fit looking person uh, sitting there uh, runs a chocolate business. That just doesn't <laughs> quite work for me. But uh, chocolate's healthy, right? If it's it dark. is. And, 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 <laughs> and of the four of us in there, Mum, you eat the most. I said, look, quality over quantity for me in everything I do. <laughs> Nadine, what's, I mean, it's fascinating to, of you to share a bit of that history. What does success look like for you now? What, what's, on, what's on the horizon? Well, let me tell you, I've always, I've always wondered, what do you define as successful? Like, it's one of those things. You yes, know, oh, you're you, successful. But, Were but you successful? On. But hang on, you are the world number one senior women's amateur golfer. Like, that is a person that has some clear ideas about what <laughs> success looks like. Look, you know, I think if, I don't know what's around the corner, Helen. I'm really having a go at the moment. And, you know, I get texts all the time from people at the golf club, you know, and they're in their 70s. This morning, Nadine, you're so inspiring. I've just got through an injury, da-da-da-da-da, and I'm thinking about what you're doing at your age. And I sit next to people. I play with people of 45, whatever. We sit down, they go, you know, it's just amazing what you're doing. And I look at them and go, oh, okay. I can't really answer that because for me, I get up, I probably periodize. So what I do is I look at the year and what am I going to be able to do this year? What can I afford to do? What I cannot afford to do? And the things that I put in my diary to do, that is a time where I switch off, my phone doesn't come with me, and I go and do the best I can do that very moment. It's very simple. And it's very wise, and it's excellent advice for our listeners today. And thank you so much for sharing, and best of luck. I think you're going to be the world number one for years to come is what my prediction is. And I think that's also probably what you think is going to happen, but you haven't shared that with us. Um, I'd like to hold on to that title for a long time, but I don't hold on to it. I thought you would. I knew you were going to say that. It's not something I hold on to. 
it's something that I continue to work towards. Does that make sense? You know, they always say that if you play second and strive for the first, and I may not always think of myself as number one, that's the thing. So I keep striving. I've actually, there was a podcast I listened to before we finished, and it was that a certain particular, a particular person on the US PGA became number one. And he said, oh, great, now, I've, now I have to prove myself. And this guy said, well, no, you've just proved yourself. You've got there. And I thought, oh, that's it. I've got there. Yeah, I remember listening to, it would have been a John McEnroe or a Andre Agassi kind of interview years ago. And, you know, that getting there is actually, you know, not the achievement, it's keeping it. And <laughs> that, and you're suddenly, everyone's chasing you down. Like, yeah. you're the target. So, and you can't possibly know what that feels like until you are there. That, to me, sounds terrifying. You're taking, <laughs> you've done all the work to be the world number one and the hard work has only just begun. It's keeping So, it. Helen, when it happened, this is the interesting thing, when it happened, the following week I had to go to New South Wales to play. And so all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my God, you're world number one. And I was like, oh. And then the pressure was, oh, my goodness. Guess what I did? I played my best golf that week. I shot three rounds in the 60s, which I'd never done before. So it's like I almost had to prove to myself, but in the end I thought, no, I don't actually have to because I've already achieved it. But it was really interesting because a lot of people will shy away from it. And now, like age, it's just a number. Yeah. Well, I um, wish you all the best in holding on to that title. I have a lot of confidence that you will. And also look forward to your own country recognising that achievement and um, seeing you on a television commercial. Or on the side of a bus or something. Well, someone had said to me that I would be a great advertisement for a, a private health fund, you know. If they golfers, say a nursing home, I'm, I'm coming no, after them. <laughs> a private health, you know, because, you know, golfers live longer, you know, with mental health as it is in our country. And um, it was, you don't quite fit the model, I think. But I, I think that it'd be a great um, asset to a private health company because an advertisement, really, as you say, you think I look fit and uh, I do all the things that, People want to be, they want to feel good about themselves. I'm following this Instagram account and this woman is a model. She's taken up modelling in her 50s. She's got amazing grey hair. And there was a whole story in the paper about her the other day. Just super interesting watching, and as I say, we just got to hang around for it to happen in our lifetime. Uh, just the, the shift in how we think about what good looks like and how we should behave, you know, as we hit our mid-50s. So oh, embrace it. I mean, we, we love the look of George Clooney, don't we? So, why, I mean, I love the look of Judy Dench. So, you know, if I, I could look as good as her, and I think she's 88, I mean. Yeah, and I do think we are. I think we are getting different versions of beauty and strength coming through in our images in the, in the mainstream media. And I didn't think in my lifetime I would see that, but I do think it's happening quite quickly. Um, so if anyone's listening, uh, Nadine's ready for her photo shoot. And she thinks insurance. Did you say insurance or I healthcare? Thought private health, I thought private health insurance. I'm thinking more like swimsuits and... Well, I could wear, spe I wear Speedos every morning. I can, I'm sure you do. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting so candidly. It's um, been a pleasure to grill you about ageism and for being such a good sport about it. Oh, great. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Helen. This podcast was recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present. Executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. Series producer is Holly Mitchell and audio imaging by Nat Marshall. 